0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God the Father, we thank you. God the Son, we celebrate you. God the Spirit, we call to you. Amen. Just out of curiosity, how many of you went through confirmation when you were a kid? Turn around, look. Y'all got to see this, this one too. Now, for those of you who didn't, let me explain what this is all about. Someone thought that it was really smart to bring young people who were in middle school to teach them the most important aspects of the faith because clearly that's the age when they can learn the best. But at the same time, it's sort of a rite of passage that many of us, well, sorry, suffered through. Because... It's so much better for y'all than it was for us, though. I mean, when I went through confirmation, it was every single week, and you did not miss. You can see your mother's, Leah, and your mother's like, "Mm-hmm." You didn't miss. I mean, unless you were sick or in a ditch somewhere, you went to confirmation. Of course, to be fair, there was no other, There was nothing else going on on Sunday afternoons. You know, we had three television channels and. You know, there were no sporting events or anything like that. And all of our friends, they had to go to confirmation too. But then while we were there, you know, my, my first year, I had Miss Ann Johnson. And, and she was a brilliant lady. And um, she, she taught first-year confirmation every year at that church. And I'm pretty sure I about made her retire. Uh, it, it, it was not good. She called my parents at least once a day um, to to talk about my wonderful behavior during confirmation class and then we moved to North Carolina and we had I had Miss Kuhn and and that would have probably been great except for the fact that I met this kid Chris who became my best friend and so the two of us sort of well we teamed up to you know express our wonderful behavior uh, during confirmation class then and then the third year my father, the pastor, taught it. And amazingly, I grew up a lot that year and, and was quite well behaved. Um, but then, then we had confirmation, just like y'all have today. And that there, was, there was myself and my friend Chris and our friend Carol. There was Brian, who I went to college with. There was Brandon, who's still at that church today. And there was a girl named Alicia, who we never saw again. Because sometimes... There's this thought that when you're confirmed, you're done. You graduate from Jesus, right? You you don't have to go back. It's sort of like high school or college, you know. When you walk across that stage, you're finished. And so, you know, of course, today, Alicia may be an extremely active member in her church somewhere, but we never once saw her at church again after confirmation. But... Which is kinda of sad, you know, to go through all that and not come back. But at the same time, honestly, what do we remember from confirmation? How many of you that raised your hand earlier remember something from confirmation? Okay, two people. <laughs> Which by the way, one of them's a seminarian, and that the other seminarian raised his hand last time and that was it. So thank you, Bob. So two people remember something from confirmation class. And I have to say, I don't add to that number. Because I don't remember anything from confirmation. I remember having to go. I remember getting in trouble. But as for all of the facts that we had to learn and be tested on, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I'm going to tell you all a secret. I never said in public. I know all the Ten Commandments. I'm a pastor. I don't think I could say them in order. Just saying. it. And now your parents are going to fire me. But, but the truth is, we learn all kinds of things. And, and why do we learn these things? Because today, you're going to come and you're going to affirm your baptism. The promises that your parents made over you many, many years ago, you're going to take those on for yourself. So we feel like you probably ought to know something about this faith. But the truth is, we often forget a lot of stuff about the faith, and then there's other parts that we don't even understand, right? I mean, you, you think, well, I'm done now, I know everything there is to know. No, you don't. Because the truth is, no matter how long you study, no matter how, there's always more about God because God is so vast and so amazing and so ununderstandable. Like today, today's Trinity Sunday. Holy Trinity, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, how does that work? No, seriously, I'm wondering, how does that work? Yeah, I don't know either. You know, all of this schooling that I went to, and the truth is, I don't know any more than y'all do about the Holy Trinity and and what it's all about. I I know the technical stuff, you know. Like I said, one God, three persons, and what Deacon Deborah said, But the reality is, God is so vast that we can't possibly begin to to grasp what it's all about. And so, should we even try? Why should we? Well, the reality is, the very nature of God speaks to how much God loves us. And so even though all of you have forgotten your confirmation, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of everything that, you, like the basics that you ought to know. So when you walk away from here today, if you remember this part, if y'all three remember this part, when a pastor's up there 20 years from now, you will be like, yeah, I remember this. I remember the one sermon the pastor preached, okay? Remember this. First of all, God created everything in the world. And when he did, he said it was Good. Nice, you remembered something. It was good. And then the first people, Adam and Eve, they were hanging out in the garden one day. And the one rule they had was don't eat that fruit. And what'd they do? They ate the fruit. And from that moment, there was was damage to the relationship between God and humanity. Because from that moment, the perfect paradise that was created, we messed it up. And we continued to mess it up, generation after generation after generation. And that relationship with God became more and more fractured. And so finally, God decided, you know what? Got to do something about this. And so God became human, sent his only son, Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth, became like us. Became a human. Same kind of problems, the same kind of illnesses, the same kind of all the mess that we have to deal with. Jesus dealt with it too. And Jesus gave his life, died on the cross for all of our sins. All the things that we have done, will do, and and even thought about doing. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead. And because of that, that fracture, that brokenness with our relationship with God was made right. It says so in, our, in the first few verses of, of our second reading. It said, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace by which we stand, and we boast in our hope of the sharing of the glory of God. And so we are justified. We have been made right through Jesus Christ. Because what he has done... Everything is right. We have peace with God. And now we can boast in the hope of his glory. In other words, we have that promise of eternal life. We know that no matter what happens, well, no matter what we do or don't do, you and I, through our baptism, through our faith, have been given the gift of eternal life. That's wonderful, isn't it? But see, the problem is, that's where a lot of folks stop their faith knowledge. God created the world, we sinned, we broke it, Jesus fixed it, I'm in the end, we graduated. Because what we look at is we think faith is all about what happens when we die. But it's not. Faith is very much also about what happens while we live. It's not just about eternal life, it's also about life. And so, St. Paul goes on to say here in the next few verses, he says... And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. You see, our faith journey isn't just about baptism and death. It's very much about what happens in between. And see, here is what we know about the Trinity. God loved us enough to create us. God loved us enough to save us. And God loves us enough not to leave us alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us to guide us through all the other stuff. Now, just because we love God does not mean, hey, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Life is just going to be a walk in the park. It's not like that. Now, there are some preachers who will tell you different. It's called the prosperity gospel. They tell you if you pray enough and the right way or you give enough or you do this or you do that, then life will be great and and you'll be prosperous. You give more money, you get more money. But see, the truth is, St. Paul knew better. Jesus knew better. Because he says, no, we boast in our sufferings. Because you know what? Sometimes life stinks. No matter how much faith you have, no matter what you believe, sometime life is gonna stink. Is anybody gonna debate me on that one? But here's the thing we can boast in it. We can boast in that suffering because we know what it does. That suffering produces endurance. I asked this in the last service, let's ask them this. how many of you ever run a marathon? One person. Walked Hey, look, I don't like to drive 26 miles. (laughs) I'm impressed that you walked it. So did a marathon. But when you train for a marathon, that's suffering. I mean, if you've ever, like, I don't know why people like to run. I, I really don't. I've never, you know, I've tried it. Never have I been like, that's great. This is wonderful. You know? But it produces endurance. The more you run, the more you can run. And then that produces character. You're a runner. You're stronger. And that character produces hope. Hope that this race will soon come to an end. (laughs) Hope that that you can do it. But see, hope, as we define it, is a little bit, it's not strong enough. I've never really liked that word when it comes to this. Because hope to me is like, oh, it's a wish. You know, I hope... You know, I I hope I get this for Christmas. I, I hope I win the lottery. But that's not the hope that we have through the Holy Spirit. The hope we have is a confirmed hope. A knowledge that we know, no matter what, God's with us, God loves us, and that we're saved. No matter what. And see, that's not only what the Holy Trinity is about, it's what our faith is about. God comes to us, Every way possible, that's how much we're loved. God comes to us as a loving parent. God comes to us as the friend that walks with us. God comes to us as the spirit that never leaves us alone. Today is just one more step in your faith journey. And sometimes things are going to go great and sometimes they're going to be tough. But one thing you can always hold on to is that you are never alone. You've got a God that loves you more than you can ever imagine. That's with you always. That will guide you and teach you and lead you throughout this life and into eternal life. May God bless you. Amen.